and I'm going to sh uh, hate when it does that. And I'm going to share my screen so you'll be able to see uh, what I put here. Control to, sh to show multiple screens. I want that screen to be up. Oh no, not that I one, but this one, you, this one. Yeah, Shut up, Jay. I like so much bigger than you. Okay. Okay. So my immersive view is stopped while we're, you know, sharing the screen, obviously. Okay, so. Our first thing is we've got a nice title here. I like the title, but I want to. Uh, start off by emphasizing to our to our uh, listeners, my voice is a little bit raspy today because I've got COVID for a second time, and it's just a just a little bit raspy on my throat, so uh, that's why I sound a little off. But you know, this is supposed to be Jay's show, so he's supposed to be doing most of the talking anyway. Yeah, in your own world. Okay, so I'm the best. This is lesson six. It's called a fulfilling vocation. Uh, Jesus's mission on earth is a unifying topic. Uh, background scriptures will be coming from Luke chapter four, verses fourteen to twenty-one. Those are lesson scriptures. Background scriptures are Leviticus chapter twenty-five, eight through fifty-five. Isaiah 61, 1 through 2, and then again, Luke 14 uh, through 21. And, you know, Jay, what I like when I first looked at this is, you know, I, I don't really read these before I start uh, doing these with you, but I look at it and I see the word vocation and how important that word is. You know, do you know what vocation means, Jay? Um. To be in charge, true, true. I know, but vocation kind of sounds like um, like placing something, or uh, I, I maybe just placing something into to where it needs to be, or uh, speaking something. You you'd be one hundred percent wrong. A vocation ah. is a synonym to a job. A vocation, a vocation is your job. So when you go to school, let's say when I was in school, in high school, we had a building called the Vocational uh, Technology Building. And that was where uh, our Votech students went. We called them Votech because it was short for Vocational Technology. Uh, but that was uh, classes that was en engineered to teaching you about how to thrive in that type of job. So I went into business computer technology uh, with Votech. And some people went into welding, other people went into marketing and debating and other things like that. But the whole purpose of it was to teach you how to uh, succeed in that particular type of job. And that's what a vocation is. As a matter of fact, let me go ahead and since we, we, have, we haven't even started the lesson proper, and I'm already pulling out the dictionary. I love it. Dude, I was, I was, I was going to ask you for that, man. I, you know, I love that little trust little book. Little? What, what is what is little about my dictionary, Jay? 
Well, you know, man, it doesn't have all the words in the world, you know that? <laughs> it has just about all of them. Yeah. Oh, man, those are big books. Never mind. Yes. Man. This is uh, this is L through Z. Let's see. Vocational. Right after you. There we go. I, I have... Uh, you know, Jay, you can uh, turn your uh, noise suppression on. <laughs> well, you know, Odin, I don't think I know how to do that. In your microphone settings, Jay. In Zoom, and your mic, in Zoom, and your microphone settings, you know, you click the little microphone down there, and, and when you're looking at stuff, if you read. Or something that you don't tend to do very much, but if you read, Jay, it will tell you how to do it. Uh, let's see. Go ahead and read while I'm reading. I'm looking for. Here we go. Vocation. So a vocation is uh, defined according to the World Book Dictionary. Is uh, a particular occupation, a business or profession or trade, or B, the persons who are engaged in the same business or profession, or 2A, which is the inner call or summons to perform a specific function or fill a certain position, especially of a spiritual nature, such as devoting one's life to the ministry. B, the divine call, to a state of union or salvation with God or Christ. Vocation as to advocation is one's regular occupation, the way he earns his living. And so you can see the various different meanings of the word vocation, but it all comes back to it is a job. It is your career. Well, see, man, and, I mean, I kind of, I kind of think I got it right. I mean, I said it, you know, something to speak, you're a speaker, you've been put, I mean, I mean, put in a place. I, I forgot what I said, but I think I kind of was right, man. No, Jay, you aren't. <laughs> you, 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 are no, you are nowhere close. How dare you tell me such a thing, but go on, go on. But, I mean, that's, this is what we're focusing on today is, on, on vocations, on a job. And as you as you heard in the definition, it can also be of a spiritual nature, which is what you're going to see with Jesus's particular portion, which is his mission on earth, was his job, his devotion to duty, his devotion to God was his job. And so we're going to go ahead and get into it. So why don't you go ahead and start by reading. Uh, let's see, what's, what's the first lesson? Uh, Reading verses 14 through 16. <clears throat> okay, this is Luke 4, 14, 21. And you only want to go through 16? Got it. Yes, to uh, verse 16. Standard Version. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding counties, country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to when he came, no Nazareth, where he had been uh, brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read. 
Okay, now let's take a look, look here. Uh, normally, let me go ahead and read the exposition and lesson setting, which let me uh, show you the other page here. Here we go, this page here. So the lesson setting says, according to our best information, the number of Jewish synagogues in the time of Jesus was in the hundreds. The Jews had spread out well beyond the, uh, Palestine, all over the Eastern Mediterranean, and the Near East after the Babylonian exile. The institution of the synagogue was born out of the context in foreign lands, away from the Jerusalem temple. The Jews needed a place to worship Yahweh. They also needed to maintain their collective identity as his chosen people, a people set apart from the mainstream pagan Greco-Roman a Greco-Roman society. The synagogue was a place for the study of the scripture and a place for prayer. In fact, the word synagogue comes from a Greek word meaning house of worship and instruction. It could also simply refer to a house of prayer. In, a, in the typical synagogue, the congregation was divided into two sections with men on one side and the women on the other side. The, uh, the service would normally begin with the recitation of the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord of our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 5. It was... In this setting that Jesus stood up in the synagogue in Nazareth one day, where he had likely been attending since a boy, and boldly proclaimed that God had anointed him to preach the good news. Now the exposition says that Napoleon Bonaparte is reported to have said, let France have good mothers, and she will have good sons. According to the Gospels, Mary was a very good mother to Jesus, and Jesus was a very good son to her and to his heavenly father. Today's lesson is centered on the time Jesus stood up in the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth to announce that he had been anointed by the Holy Spirit to preach the good news of the coming of the kingdom of God. Now, let me go on to read. If you look right here, and we're looking at this particular section, and I'll move on to the next page when I uh, finish there. It says, between the events discussed in the last Sunday's lesson where Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, and today's lesson where Jesus proclaims God has anointed him to preach the gospel, some time has likely passed. Jesus' attention is now fully devoted to the endeavors of the kingdom of God. His eyes, his mind, and his will are set towards Calvary's cross. William Barclay points out that Jesus had become like a breath of the very wind of God. Humans' hearts were hungry for the word of life, and they had not yet realized what a blow he was to strike at the orthodoxy of his time. Jesus' example as an excellent uh, example for all Christians to observe and imitate. There should come a time in every Christian's life 
when that person feels the call of Jesus Christ to do higher service for the kingdom in order to let me switch this over in order to help save the souls of lost sinners there should also come a time for every Christian when that individual is about his or her father's business and spends more time with God. And finally, there should come a time in all Christians walk of faith when they should want to give Jesus more time and attention in their daily lives. So you, you don't get a lot of context from the scripture, from just from those few scriptures for what they actually write down in a lesson. So I want to go over a couple of things and get your insight on it. Now, we're talking about being about the father's business. We're talking about uh, devoting yourself to your duty, which is to be a servant of God. At what point in, uh, in your life, Jay, or should I say in any Christian's life, uh, should the transformation to wanting to hear from God to a higher purpose be realized? And if that time is, uh, is something that is uh, more immediate, or should I, you know, should I say something that's uh, more instant, what should you do to prepare yourself to devote yourself fully to the Lord? Well, you know, um, it doesn't really, yeah, you do need preparation because sometimes you can lead people astray or you can say bad things. And, you know, if you do, you know, it, it kind of comes back on you whenever you're being, you know, in the presence of God where you have to, you know, say everything that you've done. But when you when you first come into saving faith, you, you turn on fire for God, you turn on fire for Jesus Christ, and there's just like no way to make you even be quiet. I've seen people that don't even know anything about Jesus Christ, that they always start off with the Testament. I think even just speaking about what God has done for you in your life, as soon as you feel that change, you know, you just start speaking about him or even before everything, you just feel like you're just so uh, sinful and you just need some cleansing or some, you know, people just feel bad sometimes and they look, they go out looking for answers and, you know, I, I believe it just starts there. I mean, yeah, you can become a, a good preacher. You can become very studious and everything like that. But it becomes, it, it's, it's just that feeling that you want to express to the whole world that Jesus Christ is real, that he's done something for you. You don't even know anything about anything, but you just want to express yourself and tell the whole world. I think it starts there. The more I hear from you, Jay, the more I learn that you have a bigger vocabulary than you let off, even though you don't know how to spell most of the words. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thank you. I'm taking that as a compliment. <laughs> Take it however you want to. Uh, but... <laughs> this guy. <laughs> hey, you have me on your show, so right? I mean, I guess I mean, it's still good. Either way, it's still good, man. But no, for reals though, man, I mean, I don't think you really need to know anything uh, to start speaking about God. I mean, he lights that fire on you and you just got to tell the whole world how much you love him. And, and it's that 
that it starts there. That's a very nice thought. Uh, I would also like to like to ask uh, in in your in your walk with Christ, when it comes down to devoting yourself, what sacrifices are necessary in order to do that? Well, okay, there's a, there's a lot of sacrifices, to be honest. I mean, you have to kind of just stop being dumb. I mean, I mean, I act a fool, and I had to stop doing that just because, you know, people will look at me like, I can't believe it. How can I even listen to this guy? Or even stop doing the things that hold you from um, from doing God's will, whether it, become, whether it be like me, like, you know, getting drunk or, you know, just doing dumb stuff. But you have to you have to give up a lot. You have to make sure that you're even ready or even prepared. You have to, I mean, I, for for what I do, I mean, I, I do like to you know read the Bible with with this and the show, but I spend a lot of my time listening to many different speaker uh, preachers about all the different debates. I just I put uh, ridiculous amounts of time, but it's worth it and I love it and I just love to be in that and constantly learning. So you know I'll put my game on. But I will be listening to hours and hours of nonstop preaching. I've, I've come to uh, really like R.C. Sproul. Um, but, I mean, you need to put time into it. And, and it's not even that you're even putting time into it. You're just enjoying being with God and just learning. And you're just hungry for, for what teachers have to say. And, you know, I, I really don't like to really just uh, be by myself in the Bible because I don't want to, you know, think of stuff weird because when I first started reading the Bible by myself, I would kind of apply it way too much to my life and thinking that everything was about me. So I do like to listen to preachers a lot more because I don't want to be just by myself and not knowing what is happening and just applying it wrong. Well, that's a nice one. Uh, I want you to elaborate on that. How does one apply scripture to themselves incorrectly? Well, like, one of the times I was opening the Bible randomly because I just needed some answers. And, um, and well, I, it was, it was one of the, it was one of the stories of one of the Kings and his sons and them going down. And I, I mean, I, it's crazy. Cause when I did start doing that, I mean, it was always when I opened the Bible randomly, I thought it was just talking to me. Like it was exactly what I needed to hear. And, and I still, uh, I still like it, but I had to know that it wasn't really dealing with me in my life, but it was still a way that God even got me to even go there. Cause even one time, whenever I was, you know, looking for comfort, I mean, he led me right to the, you know, King David getting uh, hammered by the, the prophet about how his adulterous ways. And, you know, again, it spoke to my life and it spoke to the same thing I needed to hear. But when you, when you, I feel like whenever you become more into it, I mean, it, it just means different. I mean, I don't know if God just does stuff like that on purpose and I, and I'd apply everything to it, you know, and I'd, I'd apply even the book of revelations, like it was happening right now. I mean, you know, like Luke 21, 20 to 26, I think I even apply that to my eschatology, even though I've come to different understandings about it, that it's actually to the time when the Gentiles are over, but, um, you just kind of apply everything to yourself because you want, I mean, a lot of people are narcissistic. I'm not saying I'm truly narcissistic, but everybody wants it to be about themselves. Everybody wants answers. And I think they will hold on to anything, but it, it doesn't necessarily apply to you. 
I don't know if God is just trying to talk to you in certain ways before you even get to truly understanding the Bible. Because if I do that nowadays, I'll see what book it's in and I'll know exactly what the context. I'll know the story behind it. And so I can't really apply that to me anymore. I now take it as lessons and how they are mirroring my, my circumstances, maybe, or how I can apply their situation to me. You know, and that's one of the main reasons why I always encourage uh, you to read because for for years, like I said, I think that's what I told you this before. For years, uh, the the mission of my Bible study at church was we have always heard the story of how David slew Goliath. We have always heard the story of how of how Samuel came to Jesse's house to find the new king of of uh, Israel, and we had always heard the story of Moses throwing down the commandments but not a lot of us actually knew where it came, uh, where to find it not a lot of us actually knew the context surrounding it uh, so it was important for for us that we made that our mission to actually read the entire bible and find these stories ourselves and take notes on them and learn from learn from them and be able to tell the story of the context surrounding it uh and that's the importance of being of, of reading it allows you to know certain things that you would not necessarily have known about the story or how it actually came to be rather than just taking bits and pieces that has been regurgitated into you since you were born now you actually know the whole picture from cover to finish so um, have you ever in your life before you came, you know, really, you know, knowing what the Bible said in context, was there ever a time that you could recall that you just opened the Bible and it just spoke, really wasn't to you, but it made it to you? Like it felt like the right time for you to even come to that scripture? Every time I open my Bible. When I'm studying, everything, oh, this is. This is horrible. Something's not right with this little Debbie. Yeah, it tastes mm -hmm. disgusting. But um, every time I open my Bible, when I open my Bible and I, I'm having a really bad day or I'm having a really good day, the messages and a word that I receive when I open it is always just what I needed right when I needed it. It's always that way. And that's because everything that's in that book is always meant for you. I, I agree with that 100%, man. But ha have you ever been confused, like, um, just confused about a certain passage? Because there's even some people that want to be, like, you know, everybody, when you're, when you're growing up, you just want to be the biggest thing in the world you want to save everybody you just want to do the best of the best and people will take i'll tell you i'll tell you this jay i have never been confused by the scripture or with the scripture i have been confused without it when i was Ooh. when i when i first went to texas and i did not have the access to my to my church to my pastor to my grandmother to my grandmother all of these people being my confidants that I turned to 
in order to uh, to gain more clarity on scripture. It was a very confusing period of my life. And it was a point in my life where I was ready to question God about it. But rather than doing that, I, I, I called I called home. I called my pastor from uh, on my way coming home from work one day. I was walking home in San Antonio and I called my pastor here in Mississippi and I asked him, you know, I told him, I said, like, I don't know what to do. I got so much going on and I don't know what to do. I can't figure out anything. I can't hear from God. And he, t- he said to me that the author, that the, that, uh, that God is not the author of confusion. He cannot exist in a state of confusion. If you were confused, you cannot hear from God. It will never work. So he offered me a prayer and we prayed for clarity. And with, with that, my confusion was went away. And I was able to hear from God again and able to do the things that needed to be done. But I have never been confused from the word of God. Uh, but I have very much been confused without it. That's a very good way to put it, man. I mean, because, yeah, the scripture doesn't confuse me. But the way I was when I first started, I was confused by the things I didn't know. And that's true. The things that, you know, yeah, I only knew one part of it, but not knowing the rest of it just does confuse you. Like, you know, I heard the craziest thing before I even uh, before I even started with the Bible, with this whole journey. There was this homeless man uh, at McDonald's where I worked at. And, you know, he, he said, you know, I'm Moses and I'm going to be leading my people free. And this is the way I'm going to do it by being homeless and, and showing these. I, I, I'm not sure how you put it that but you know you know he wanted to he was doing something i've heard that i've heard that two times from two homeless people they say that they're homeless because they want to show people to be nice to be kind but one of them had said you know the one at mcdonald he said he, he wanted to be moses and you know wanting to be one of those characters from the old testament uh or even like as, as hardcore as it is that there's many people that say i want to be jesus christ and then and his new coming and people will use that to lead people astray, to do cults. And, you know, that's the, that's the hardcore part about it, is people really use the Bible, especially trying to say that they're the, they're the new savior, that they have new revelation, that they have these things. And, you know, this is why it's very good for you to be, you know, really planted in a good church close to you. Don't let, you know, just random people just tell you crazy things. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's people that just say that, you know what, I'm Moses, I'm here to set my people, people free or I'm Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm here to, I'm his reincarnate, uh, and I'm here to, you know, save you and, and give you new revelation. And this is what we're going to do and stuff like that. You know, most of those homeless people are on drugs and they say that anyway, but. <laughs> well, dude, I mean, there's, there's, there's gotta be something really wrong with, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know really wrong with them. I don't want to, I don't know, dude, but there's a, there's a, I don't know if that's a bad spirit or not, you know, cause to say those kind of things, is pretty, pretty, pretty hardcore, especially the ones that say that they're Jesus Christ. I mean, that, they pop up a lot, you know. I don't know where you go to meet these people, Jay, but you have the, uh, the greatest 
ability to find people that are lost <laughs> truly. <laughs> Dude, you, you're not lying, Ben. I, I truly, it's because then I always try to talk to everybody just to see if they're okay. And I do talk to homeless people all the time. I'll, you know, give them some money and, you know, just make sure that they're okay. Or just, I just, I, if I see people are just like really just out of their mind, especially when they're on drugs and stuff like that. I mean, I have to talk to them. I don't know. I just have to make sure. I see, okay. You see, you and I are very different. I, I don't give homeless people money at all. I give them, I give them opportunity to make money, but I don't give them money. I don't know if I want to work with them. <laughs> I didn't I'm say, that. <laughs> I didn't say I want to work with them. I say, I give them opportunity to make money. If they want $20 from me, they need to do something to get it. Oh, I understand. Do a service. Okay, I see. Yes. If you, you want something, you need to be able to, to, to do something for it. I'm not going to just give you something and not get anything out of return. Hey, but you know what, man? I, I think God puts those people in my uh, in my way for some reason, too, though. I don't know what it is, but I meet them all the time. I guess he, I guess he uh, put me, what is that, where does that word we looked up again? The exposition, or what is it, what was that first word that you said that we looked up in the dictionary? Okay. What, vocation? But you know, you're trying to say that. Vocation that go speak to crazy people. So, well, I mean, you were once a crazy, or not, you still are a crazy person. Well, yes, uh, exactly. You see, exactly. I mean, I, I came from this place is, so maybe that's why I have the vocation to talk to the craziest people ever because I can understand them. And, you know, even even when I've gone to AA meetings, I mean, I understand them. And, you know, their, their whole goal of, you know, transforming themselves to be sober is always on God's premises. But they don't even understand who God is from the Bible. But they have a good understanding of what it takes to come out of it by, by using God, even though they don't know him truly, um, you know. But I do, I do like listening to them a lot. Um, it's, okay, it's Jake. Good for me. All right. Continue reading 17, <laughs> through, bad, 17 through 19. Okay. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And there you go, the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captive and recovery of the sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free. Well, see, man, I'm telling you, man. I mean, I'm keep reading, Jay. Poor. Oh, okay. Seventeen through nineteen, dumbass. Well, hey, calm down. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. There you go. See, now I you can. Now you can start. Well, you see, that's what I'm talking about, man. I mean, I go to the the worst of the worst, and then I love it. You know, there's there's sometimes I just want to, I just I have to talk to them. And now that I know a lot more, I feel like it's my, I feel like it's my responsibility. And yeah, I mean, it is kind of scary because I mean, there's a lot of times when I tell you you're my preacher and stuff like that in the past, but you don't want to take the um their responsibility and you know i hear you know people like Moon that don't want to take it either and i understand it's pretty scary and i always fall back and i you know yeah i want to be there for them and speak to them and do what i can but if i mess up it is scary it, it will be scary to be honest to have 
that go against me. It's not so much that a person like me is afraid. It's that, you know, to, to jeopardize my ability to go to get to heaven based off of the fact that somebody might not get to heaven because of something that I said. That part is the part that I, I don't want that responsibility. I want to be able to help guide people in the manners that they should go. But I do not want people to uh, lean lean on me for all the answers, to turn to me as some person that has the answers, because that's not what it's supposed to be. Uh, they're supposed to turn to God for all of that. So the way I figure it is by removing titles for myself, I simply offer them information and let them go find the answers themselves from God that way I get that way I'm out of the I'm out of the out of the picture altogether I'm not a middleman I'm just giving you the information and I go about my business yeah of course I mean that's why we should I mean that's why we uh that's why I mean especially I when I say all this and I do say what I gotta do say to them preach or um you know evangelize however you want to put it um I do give them a lot of resources you know I do give them my my favorite preachers i give them resources i give them little pamphlets little booklets and you know but i you know I, speaking to people and, and preaching to people i think it's still preaching is a, is a fact is a thing you know yeah your guidance but you're still preaching well i think the the difference in 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 teaching versus preaching is uh, the manner in which it's done. You see, uh, I, anybody can teach. It takes a special person to preach. It takes somebody that's been anointed by God to preach and teach because God will speak directly through them. I can teach you things that are inspired by God, but I can't preach to you things that God has given only a preacher to give to you. I can help you make sense of what a preacher has said to you, of what a preacher has preached to you. I can help you make sense of that, but I can't give you that same message because I'm not a preacher. God didn't speak that message to me. And see, that's another good thing. Uh, now that you said that, because I don't, everything I've ever said doesn't come from me. It comes from preachers that I've heard. It comes from people that I've, I've invested my time into listening to all their songs. You plagiarizer. You know better than Joe Biden. Uh, well, uh, I, 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 <laughs> I mean, dude, I mean, this is not, I mean, I wouldn't say anything comes from me. I, 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 would, I think the only one that ever came from me is how to, is when I preach about depression and how the Israelites keep on complaining about their life and all that. And I, and I tell people the God doesn't like that, to be honest. You know, <laughs> that's the only, I think, sermon I've ever preached, you know, was just depression and how to get out of it. And first of all, saying that, you know what, you're just you're basically just telling God that you're not satisfied with what he's given you. And you're just complaining. Look what happened to the Israelites in the, in the, uh, in the I think that's the only one I've ever made up myself. See, I've written a lot of things, but as I said, I don't call them sermons. I call them memoirs. Memoirs are just my thoughts. And I write a bunch. I teach teach a lot. And then I just get out of the way. 
I mean, but the, the majority of the time that I spend in church is me sitting in my designated seat because I sit in the same seat every Sunday that I go to church and have been for, for decades, for, for years, sit in the exact same seat. And I'd sit there quietly and I listen and that's it. That's the, major, the majority of the time that I spend in church, I'm sitting and listening, nothing else. I, I always like to give my two cents, man. I don't know what it is. <laughs> that's why I guess that's why I'm doing this show right now. I love to give my two cents. But let's, let's keep I, going. I, I like to be as far away from the limelight as possible when it comes to, uh, to doing things with Christ. I want to be able to do things for him, but I don't want to feel like I'm obligated to do so. I want those things to be a natural. Oh, no, I mean, I feel I feel like it's my responsibility in a way. If I've if I've gotten this far, this kind of knowledge, uh, not to say I'm like smart. But anyways, not to put myself down. I just feel like if I have the resources, I, I want to, you know, do my best because I feel like people, we don't have enough time left. And I, I don't know if people are going to make it to the next day. So I'm trying to do what I can. Really nice. Okay, so let's 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 read this part here where it says the scroll of the prophet. And what we're seeing is it says Jesus's basic message was that God cares. He preached that God is concerned about the poor, the brokenhearted, the captive, the blind, and the bruised. This teaching was not new. It was it can be found in the writings of the prophet Isaiah, as today's lesson passage shows us. What was new was the universal thrust of, of the invitation. Now, not just Jews would be invited to God's kingdom and given his salvation, but anyone could come to God's table and feast on his redemption. Jesus reiterates this point in the parable of the great banquet. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled for I say unto you that none of those men which are bit, uh, bitten shall taste of my supper. Jesus was throwing open the doors of the heaven for the less fortunate of the world. He was going to bless them richly. Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are, are ye that hunger, for ye shall be filled. Jesus was determined to bring the good news to a world that truly needed it, that truly needed saving. Leon Morris emphasizes this point well. Jesus saw himself as coming with good news for the world's troubled people. Morris goes on to say, the acceptable year of the Lord was Jesus's way of referring to the era of his salvation. God's new movement of salvation that would envelop the entire world was to focus especially on the poor. His only begotten son, Jesus Christ, was going to be the primary vessel to deliver this message. This message from God would culminate with his son's dying on Calvary's cross to prove his love for all those entrapped in poverty and sin. This message will be clear for anyone, Jesus told his disciples. 
And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And Jesus promised all who were enslaved to sin that ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And if there was ever anybody, they don't interrupt you. You wait till I finish talking. Oh, yes, sir. And, yes, sir. And if there was ever anybody who really needed to hear the truth directly from God, it was and is the poor and brokenhearted of this world. <laughs> no, now no, you may no. speak. You know, this man, this man over here. You know, it, let's not just think about it as just pouring money, but these people are poor in spirit. And I do love what I do love this pastor so much because he invited these people. I mean, he and, and nobody showed up. I mean, imagine how hurtful that is. I mean, you, you, uh, you know, mothers can, you know, sympathize to this because you make a whole party for your kids and nobody shows up. And it's painful, isn't it? God has made a, God has made a party for Jesus Christ to celebrate him and nobody showed up. I think I'm pretty sure that, you know, that's why God went out there and just got everybody who, want, who wants to come in because people that were invited just took it for granted. And I, I guess that's a picture of the house of Israel. They didn't even accept Jesus Christ. And, you know, us Gentiles that were so poor in spirit that didn't have anything of anything of Yahweh. It was a blessing for us, you know, and uh, us Gentiles are very gracious. Well, and you know, as I as I look at it, I like to think that it's um, it's more so. You know, we talk about the poor and the brokenhearted, and they're always going to be with us all the time. But when he gives them the invitation, if you go, you look into all the many different parables that Jesus gives throughout the Bible. He's not only is he giving them an invitation to join him at the table. He's also giving them uh, lessons and trying to teach them of ways that they can overcome some of these hurdles, but they just don't want to hear the lesson. And it's the same thing in a sense to what we have going on in many different communities today, where you go to people in these broken communities and these uh, poor communities to try to give them information and bring them information that can help them get out of the hole that they're in, get out of the trouble that they're that they have found themselves in, and they reject that information. And so, what 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 does Jesus do when uh, when that information is rejected? Well, he goes to the next community that's right next door that have been paying attention and absorbing all of that and applying it. And he says, well, you know what? I tried to give this information to my people because those are the guys I care about, but they didn't want it. But you guys are in the same predicament. So why should I let you not have this information if they don't want it? And so here's, so here's, the, here's the case. Now, here we are, the Gentiles. We weren't even supposed to be made known of this information. And then he's like, well, my Jews... They told me that they don't care, that they don't want to hear it. You guys are listening. So I'm going to give all this information to you, and you are welcome to come into my kingdom at any time. And that's sort of how I feel about it, you know, uh, especially 
when I do when I do that in comparisons to the black community and everything that goes on with uh with how I with how I speak and how I am treated and talked to talked about in many of those cases instances. Is it because they come? I mean, they rejected you. Is oh, that because they? Uh, which book is? It's not because they reject me. It's because they reject what I, what the teaching. That's what I'm talking about. They're rejecting the message. They're rejecting the teaching, not rejecting me. They're rejecting what, what is, what can be used to save them. In Jesus's case, they're rejecting the salvation that He's bringing. The salvation that I bring to my community is through a different form of education, learning how to properly manage uh, and financial independence and things of that nature and trying to get rid of that culture that is keeping you down. Jesus is bringing true salvation and the Jews want nothing of it, but the Gentiles, they want all of it. They're listening. And so Jesus says, okay, the Jews don't want it, but you guys do. I'm going to let you guys have it because you've, been sitting there patiently you've been listening you want you've wanted you yearn for it and so i'm gonna let you guys have it <laughs> for sure man i mean i mean if you're if, you, uh, if, if you're talking about a lot of them you know like even my kind uh, mexicans say that they're oppressed or just the whole the oppression culture nowadays like who who can we not be the most oppressed that is a very difficult, that's a very destructive mindset. I mean, uh, how can you already give up just right off the back? So, you know, no, they don't want to hear that, to be honest. And, but God, God, God has made us free and we are praying Jesus Christ. And there's nothing that should hold us back. And, you know, I, I've said once time on here that the Bible is not a self-help book. It's more about salvation and what Jesus Christ did for us. But he saves, he, he saves us and frees us from those chains of bondage. And, and every single field and whatever it applies to you. Uh, if you feel in bondage of anything, break free. Jesus Christ already gave you victory in this world, in this life. Okay, Jay, read verses 20 and 21. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attention attendant and sat down the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him then he began to say to them today this scripture has been fulfilled to your hearing nice nice which scripture okay. is he um which scripture is he uh, talking about uh, what prophecy is he completing right there that was from isaiah Can you and then we we'll look here Sorry. Uh, I'm reading this, the lesson here. Uh, so lesson three, the fulfillment of the scripture says, Jesus was on a mission for God. He was going to make sure that whoever, that whosoever wanted to approach God could have full access to him and his saving grace. Today, the gospel message has not changed. God still wants the poor and brokenhearted to come to him. Today's Christians need to make Jesus Christ accessible and approachable in their local churches. All Christians need to be ministering to those whose hearts have been broken by poverty, illness, death, and so forth. 
Morris writes, Jesus began saying that the prophecy he had just read was being fulfilled. Those words of Isaiah applied to the ministry he was beginning. He, he saw God as acting in the present in his own work. The poor and brokenhearted do not need to wait until tomorrow to hear from God. And they need to hear him from him right now. I'm sorry, they need to hear from him right now. It is the duty of Christians to take the gospel to everyone. You asked what prophecy were they talking about? They're talking about the prophecy that is in Isaiah. If you go, if I show you um, right here, these verses here, you go, you read Isaiah chapter 61, you get the information. And that's the prophecy that we're that we're focusing on. But uh, just looking at this, when we're when we're talking about making making God more, more assess, accessible in uh, the lives of Christians, I think that may have been one of the biggest things that led to the. Uh, the, the thesis by Martin Luther was how inaccessible Christ was to the church at that time. And I think that's one of the other reasons why it's still a big problem today when it comes down to the to people who are, who are of Catholic faith and people who are losing faith is because they don't see the accessibility to Christ as it should be. And the, that is the number one issue uh, and the number one prophecy that Jesus came to fulfill was making the accessibility to him so easy because before you had to go through the priest and the only way to get to God was to get through the priest. And that's the only way you could speak to God and get your prayer heard. But you had to do a certain amount of things and pay the priest a certain amount of money just to be able to get your prayer heard. That wasn't the way things were supposed to be. And so now Jesus comes in and he says, I'm going to get rid of all of that. If you want to speak to the Father, speak to, speak to me and it'll get to him. And you can speak to Christ at any time. See, that's very true because, you know, the whole, that's why we needed the whole Lutheran um, Protestant Reformation. But even in this day, uh, the political left has made it to where instead of holding it back they're just replacing it with self-meditation or self-help or you know mental disease and wanting therapists that don't even have a background of bible they rely on themselves they rely on their own nature and they're not even trying to hold back the bible i mean yeah they are in the schools and stuff like that but they're trying to replace it entirely with self-help self-meditation um, so it's, it's, it's still here to this day, you know, but it's not, thank God it's not from the Catholic church because they were going out and completely just taking us out. You know, I think, what well, it wasn't, it, if you had a Bible back in the day, they would just burn you or stuff like that. No, it wasn't that, but they, they did do a lot of egregious things back in the day. Yeah, because 
I don't like. I mean, I've seen this. Uh, the, I think it was the last, the last midterm elections or uh, 2016 midterm elections. They were all about the safe space. They were all about, you know, uh, keeping us from even speaking about uh, morality. Uh, you know, I, even in I think what isn't it in Canada right now? You can't even talk or try to reverse anybody's um, beliefs on sexuality because it's against the law. Even the 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 new wave, the Equality Act, Biden was trying to push off in the beginning of his term. This, they were all restricting Christians from trying to give them help in these in these areas. I mean, we're we're being restricted right now you know, from doing these things. Thank God it didn't get passed because that's that's pretty hardcore. Saying that we we're basically um, hurting their feelings or not hurting their feelings, but we're giving them trauma. That we couldn't even tell a woman not to have an abortion because it's it's wrong in God's eyes, and that we're just making them feel bad. People don't even want to hear it. I mean, I have a friend that's always telling me, "Dude, why are you so against Muslims? Why are you so against um, LGBT and stuff?" I was like, "I'm not. I'm just trying to give you what's truth, and the truth is not where you're at, or what you're trying to seek in to make your life better." I'm trying to give you the truth with, with the thing that can truly satisfy your, your, your soul and your spirit. And that's Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, that's the only way that we're ever going to be happy is knowing that we're going to have salvation and, and be with our loved ones. Um, I think that's the only thing that actually does make it this life any good. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I, I think it's when, when you don't have access to God the way that we, the way that we need to have access to Him, it makes it harder for you to be able to build a relationship with with Him. You know, well, you were talking about being a narcissist earlier, but the, uh, at the root, at the root of everything, is the one-on-one relationship that you're supposed to have that connection. And when you're missing out on that, you're missing out on all of the bountiful blessings that come with that, with the assurance that comes with being with him because you've built that relationship. And you don't have that relationship uh, if you don't have access. And that's something that is a problem in so many of our, uh, of our churches is we put in too many symbolic rituals in the way of getting the access to God. You know, many, many times in the Baptist church, they would say that you won't, that you weren't saved until you get baptized, which the Bible doesn't say that at all. It's, it's very symbolic because the baptism is, is uh, a representation of a liquid burial where you are buried like Christ was, and you're and you're raised back up, and you, all of the sin is left there in the water. That's the that's the symbolism behind baptism. But um, a lot of churches would say that you that you haven't received salvation if you haven't did that part. But the Bible doesn't say that. Uh, in the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church, uh, if you haven't received salvation, if you haven't been sprinkled, if you don't do so many Hail Marys or do what's the Ash Friday or whatever it's called, I don't know what that is, but yes. the Bible, the Bible says nothing about any of those things. And so, 
that relationship is hindered at the church when we have the when we have so much predication on the symbolism on the ritual on what we do routinely as a part of the church uh, structure and so we have to get past that to try to make it uh, easier for people to actually assess God. You know, here's another like one uh, of baptism. I like it whenever they said, you know, Jesus Christ is the only the only way. He's like he's a door to heaven, and uh, basically it's like when when Noah and his family were coming out of the ark from the whole world being completely flooded, they passed from that flood in, into God's presence from that doorway, and they escaped. Well, you know, they, they wouldn't, they didn't drown, but I, I forget how they put it, but I, I think I like that analogy, analogy too. <clears throat> well, let's go on to the questions of the lesson. Um, question number one, what are some ways that we can experience a new God's recalling in our lives? Put yourself out there. Um, don't be scared to even talk about Jesus Christ. Don't, don't be scared to talk about Jesus Christ. Uh, just put yourself out there and, and see what the world has to offer you and what, what they will bring to you so that you can have a reason to have conversation and learn all the oppositions that they have. I, I, I feel like just engage and being that fellowship with even non-believers. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, the best way because you know you can you can be with other believers but sometimes you need that opposition to light you on fire yes yes i like that making yourself uncomfortable um in order to hear from god i think i, I like that a lot uh, i think my my um my way is a little bit more morbid than yours uh but my, my uh, answer is struggle. I like to see you struggle a little bit. If you want to experience God's calling in your life, I think you need to struggle. You need to be, you need to be humiliated and made humble. And when you finally get that blessing that you've been looking for, you need to realize that it came from God and that you need to praise and shout from the top of your lungs, that this is my God. Look what he has done for me. And you will never be able to find somebody that knows God more than somebody who has struggled and been lifted out of it due to his grace. Amen. Amen. And people, you know, you got to remember that the Holy Spirit will give you answers at that moment. I mean, it's not like all the time. But, you know, if you've had some some teaching, some learning at least, I'm pretty sure the Holy Spirit can give you what you need at that moment. Maybe you even might experience something that you don't even truly understand until it's brought to opposition. But I love to struggle, man. I really do love to struggle. It really does build character. Um, well, of course I, you love to struggle. Just walking is a struggle with somebody your size. <laughs> <laughs> Douche. That's because I got it. Hey, hey, hey. It, it is, it is, it is. Look at me, I'm trying to flex now. I'm going to shut across my arms and everything. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, dude, I mean, 
I used to not like it, but ever since I started talking about Jesus Christ, I was thrown into it. And I quite like it because I grow from it. it and then it forces me to go back and, and look for answers. And it forces me to be more studious. It's, it forces me to look for answers. I mean, I, it, it really makes you engaged in the whole process. I mean, you're supposed to go out and tell the whole world about Jesus Christ. Anyway, that's a great commission. But, you know, finding a church and having people help you too. Also, uh, whenever you do take too much and you just, and the whole world puts you down, that fellowship that our church can provide is very important because you will be put down and you will break completely. And it, it's really good to have that fellowship because uh, you can you can go in you can go into a spiral if you don't um, if you don't seek for help from your church as well for comfort whenever they do whenever they do spit on you. Number two, what are some demands from a job or a vocation in life that can affect your spiritual growth? Um. Uh, vocation on my job, like my personal jobs, or any job that you may have. What are some demands that that job may have that will affect your spiritual growth? Mm. I mean, that's same thing. It's just uh, that wanting to fight. It can't be the same thing, that. Jay. What things can your job tell you that you need to do that will stop your growth in Christ? Oh, stop my growth. Well, yeah, dude. I mean, there's, there's, there's jobs I don't even let you talk about God or politics. It's like a strictly big no-no. And then your coworkers will just have a biggest fit. Then you can't even work with them. Nothing's going to get done. If you're talking about personal work, if you're talking about like working, uh, I'm talking. The question, the question was, what are some demands from a job that will affect your spiritual growth? So I don't know what you think that means, but what you say when you say job, I'm thinking like a job, like in what we actually. What is a job? What is a job, Jay? A job is where you make money. Okay, so what demands does that job have that can affect the way that you grow in Christ? Being restricted from speaking. I mean, I've had that. I've had that problem already. I've had that problem where I was I was not allowed to even speak about it anymore because I had uh, some coworkers that just completely hated it, and I was told to be quiet. You know, and uh, hey, good. Now I, you're I, finally on the right picture. Well, yeah, man. I mean, yeah, I've, I've been there, dude. They don't let you speak about it. And even, and you know what? One of them was even a Christian uh, and he, and he didn't want me to speak about nothing. He just didn't want to share. He was, I mean, dude, I mean, people just tell you to be quiet and they tell the boss. I mean, it's just, at that point, I can't, I just get really stressful and I end up leaving the workplace, to be honest. I'll celebrate whenever whenever I'm uh, actually allowed to, but it does drive me crazy. I don't like when people tell me I can't speak about Jesus Christ. Uh, then it just basically just forces me to do it more. 
Yeah, I think the same for me. I've been at a couple of jobs, especially when you work government jobs, you have that issue quite a lot where they tell you that you can't do things. Okay, number three. Why is it that Christians have may have more trouble in their own hometowns while trying to witness to unsaved family members and friends? Easy, because they, they will judge you on your past. They will easily say that. They were like, oh, how can I believe in this guy? If I've, I've seen him since he was growing up. He was the worst of the worst. They won't. They just won't. They won't believe me at all, man. I mean, they will. Nobody will. They nobody will see me and say, "Oh, well, he he likes to preach. He likes to do this." They will laugh in my face. They will laugh in my face and be like, "Dude, he's a joke." <laughs> you know, that's the biggest thing for me. That's why I I you know I try here. Even my good friends that I've grown up with, they won't take me uh, serious. You know, uh, I usually do go to people that don't meet me, uh, don't know me so much. But it is a very big struggle, especially with family. They're like, dude, this guy has been the worst his whole life. Why should I even listen to him? And then the, and the fourth and final question is, how is it that Jay understood this question, but not the last? I did understand it. Maybe you didn't understand my answer. Because, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was talking about the uh, job. I mean, it's that it's the opposition. Whenever that, I mean, I was saying opposition, like the first question, um, it's the same thing because they were told me to be quiet about it, you know. And then it, it gets to the point where it's very, there's a lot of tension. Imagine, uh, like at my last job, imagine working with somebody by yourself and unloading an 18-wheeler. And it's just you and another guy. And, and then him completely hating everything you have to say about God uh i mean it's very tenseful man but i do good about i do pretty good because i mean i still love the guy but they just became they just become so hateful and they they'll they'll literally just try to make you mad and just try to make you quit the job and uh, you're going to quit the job because you're a wood you're a wuss but anyway hey, man, my feelings my feelings my <laughs> I'm not a wuss, but it does affect me eventually. You know, I could take so much, and I would, I would put up with anything and everything, dude. And I, I think I'm really good about that. I mean, I think they're the ones that are the worst because they have to resort to anger to uh, not even want to work anymore. They don't even want to continue. At least I could put up with them after big fights. That's the best thing about me. I can have the most biggest fights or the, the most craziest things with people. And the next day, I'm going to tell them I love you. Now, it's okay. You know what? You know, let's continue. Uh, even if you're continuing and the same thing, like like my, my brother, for my brother, for instance, I've been at this guy for, I'd say, uh, a year or two. And, you know, it's it, sometimes it just gets so ten, tensional. So just a lot of tension. And he might think that I'm just, you know, angry or he might get angry at me. But I'm always there the next day. To, as soon as the morning comes, and be like, "Hey, uh, let's let's hang out. Let's let's you know know that I don't hate you. Know that I'm not against you. You're my brother, and this is exactly why I do this in the first place. Because I I care about you. You're my brother. I want you to go to heaven with me, and I'll do anything to make to to make you understand. And we can just take it one day at a time. And if it gets boring to you, and we're not really building any other relationship, but that is a good relationship right there in itself you know because we're still growing together and you know there's been a lot of progress and just yesterday he finally 
he finally said a very great statement to, you know, and, and just made me feel very happy inside and that he finally expressed himself and told me what he believes because there's a lot of people that don't even want to say what they believe. And uh, yeah. Well, we have had a nice lesson today, Jay. Uh, this lesson was not one of my favorites because uh, despite despite the title being a really nice title, I like the idea of talking about a particular job, but this lesson didn't really talk about that much at all outside of the title and the questions at the end. So anyways, pray us out, Jay, and we'll close it down. <laughs> well, Jesus Christ, I pray to you that we have better... Uh episodes so i would be a little bit more happy but thank you for uh, getting us to do it and to continue this work that you put us to do and don't let anything stop us or hinder us from doing it and uh i pray in your name jesus christ that we do all we can in our own abilities amen all right it's a horrible prayer, but we're going to, we're going to accept it anyway. <laughs> oh, then you know what, man? You know what, man? I mean, okay. Uh, yeah, it's cool. I mean, they have not been the best, but you know what, Odin? How's about how's about you give us a little bit more of what you were looking for? Because I mean, I guess like you just already said, you. No, Jay, not at all, <laughs> not at all, because my my job here. See, this is what we're talking about, vocation, right? My job here is to give you a platform to do your job. So I'm, I've done my job by letting you do your thing. And okay. once I end this, I'm going to go do my other job, which is to do my thing, which is the rest of this entire show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's how i answer that or you know or i could say I, I could answer the same way kamala answered and be like uh um the time this is the time to do what we are already doing and that time is every day <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i could i could i could get definitely give you one of those types of answers yeah well you know what man i mean i did i did what, I'm, what I believe, but you know, I don't think I've had any business jobs or any jobs like that so, or any government jobs. Yeah, it doesn't matter about business or government jobs. The only thing that matters is that if there's something in the way at, at your job that's in the way of you being able to express yourself with Christ, then that job either needs to evolve in order for you to stay there or you need to find someplace else to go. That's well, just that's the way why... there is to it. That's why my emphasis is with people. It's always going to be with people because a lot of jobs. It's never with. Do. It's never with people. It's always with the jobs policy. You see, people can disagree all day long, but and nothing will ever change if the job has a policy that allows you to speak whatever you want. If the job has no, a policy that says, if the job has a policy that says that if you speak about religion, you'll lose your job that's a problem so yeah. it's people uh, people can moan and gripe all day long and the people who need to hear the word will moan and gripe the loudest all day every day it's when it's when jobs get in the way of that that it becomes a problem 
well, let me tell you, let me tell you the way I went, I go around that. Okay. So I'll do a little trick. Okay. Cause there's some jobs that they don't let me talk about God, but you know, I'm very funny. And I was like, Hey, you want You want to go hang out after this? <laughs> so I'll go take them out to dinner or I'll go take them out uh, for, uh, just for a drink. So they can think it's just a bro thing. But man, as soon as I'm out of the job and we're out there, I'm unleashing all of it on them. Cause that's the only way to get around it. If they're not going to let me talk about it and at work, I'm going to wait till after work, invite them to any place. Let's have a good time. But that's the way I'm going to go around it because I'm still going to do it. Because I if I can't work properly with somebody that doesn't have the same work ethic and that same work ethic comes from wanting to be a good steward of your job and wanting to show that Christians work hard and that we're there to work hard. And there's a lot of them that just complain all day. And I, I can't stand that. You know, I mean, just be grateful and this is, I just, you know, usually I'm just trying to fix why are they so angry about their job and, or why are they even depressed or sad? And if they're depressed and sad at the work, then I, I do want to speak to, to them about it. And if they don't want to hear it, especially not at, if I'm not allowed at work, I'll just invite them over and I, and, you know, just make a, make, make some, make a relationship outside of work. Well, that's nice. Okay. Well, you've prayed us out. And so now it's not my turn to do my part of the job on this. And that is to say thank you all for joining us with this episode of Story of America, Growing Christ with Jay. We're continuing our mission to make it to 52 episodes of Growing Christ with Jay this year. That's one for every Sunday of the year, Jay, just so you know how to do math. There are 52 weeks in, in, in a year, Jay. First yeah. of all, sir, I'm an, I'm an engineer. I know how to do math. <laughs> and anyways jay yeah you only know how to do math when it involves sixes so yeah first of all it's three six nine sir three six nine it's the, the holy trinity three crosses on the mount uh mountain when jesus was crucified and three days in the tomb the six 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 that's just to mock it's just to mock the devil thank you and yes, whatever you say, Jay, whatever you say. <laughs> Anyways, we well, thank you for joining us on this uh, episode with us. And stay tuned. We got a lot more planned. Um, I have fun doing these things with Jay. He's learning a lot. And I like to see his growth and how we do things. So with that being said, stick, uh, stay tuned for an episode um, probably with me and Rhett um, coming up soon. I'm not sure. Um I turn I turned down an episode last night because of COVID and I no, my voice was not as it is right now. It was a little bit worse. But I'm feeling fine now. So we're going to start ramping up production again. And with that, I'll see you guys next time. Yeah, have a good one. <laughs>